Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Special edition NFL Monday night showdown strategy show. I am Matt Gajeski and I am here with Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski and you can file Kyle at Kyle tweets here. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell. So, you know, when this and all of our other content goes live, let's see how many likes we can rack up in the chat today. But Kyle, it's not every week. We get this showdown slate. It's a special one today. Kansas City taking on Baltimore, arguably the top two teams in the league. Very different from the Thursday night showdown slate where we just had the Battle of Florida. What are you expecting? How excited are you for tonight's game? Yeah, I'm expecting a lot of points. And like, I'm not being contrarian and saying that the total has jumped. I think it opened at 52. Now it's at 54. The spread was uh, three for the Ravens. I think it's three and a half now, which does push it off, uh, push it ahead of a key number, which is a little interesting. But uh, yeah, I expect a lot of points. I don't expect the Ravens defense as good as they are to really give Mahomes a ton of trouble. Maybe they can, you know, intercept and get a few pressures and like hold him at bay for some points during the game. But we saw it in the Super Bowl. Like you can only do that to Mahomes so long. At some point you have to put up points. And obviously the Ravens are capable of doing that in droves. They haven't like, of course, they've scored points this season. They really haven't been pushed by their opponents, which is kind of the thing that I think I'm going to be focusing on is how does this Ravens offense change when they're not like burying Cleveland 33 to like six or whatever that score was. Not a, not a good game. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on is how does this game change because of the fact that we haven't seen the Ravens play like this since essentially last year. They've been able to just destroy their opponents through two weeks, Houston and, and Cleveland. So I think that's something that people might get hung up on, like not being understanding of that the Ravens we've seen through two weeks are not the Ravens we're going to see tonight. And it's going to be sick. Yeah, you spoke to it. The level of competition for these two teams has been drastically different to start the year. I mean, I don't think Houston is anything spectacular either. They're more of a middling team, but we've at least seen Kansas City in competitive games. We kind of know exactly what that offense is going to look like to a degree. Baltimore, I think we still have some questions, you know, how does that running back room shake out when this team is actually in a competitive game? So those are really key things to monitor going into tonight's game. And I think that could lead to a potential edge. As far as today's strategy goes, we are going to start with some basic strategy stuff. And I, I you know, I think on these showdown slates, it's really important to discuss injuries first and foremost. There have been a few key examples. Maybe we could parlay this into just some inactives talk. I remember, I think it was last week, we had Auden Tatis a surprise scratch. Now that wasn't an injury situation, 
but it, it, I think it allowed you to play some other guys like T Higgins, maybe a little more comfortably. So always watch those tonight. I think the only real injury to monitor for the purposes of DFS is Sammy Watkins and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Sammy after getting in the full practice is expected to play. Yeah, he is expected to play. I mean, there could be some sort of setback, but he logged the full practice on Saturday and that still gave him extra time to finally clear concussion protocol. So it would be uh, fairly surprising if he doesn't play, given that, yeah, full practice on Saturday almost certainly puts him in play. And uh, outside of that, I'm trying to think if there's any other like surprise inactives we could get. I don't think we'll see any surprise inactives with like the Chiefs backfield, like Darwin Thompson's a guy who like really doesn't serve a huge role. Maybe they can make him an active, but that only leaves them with three or two running backs. So I, I think basically these teams are kind of set in what they're going to do. Unlike, you know, the Bengals who we've seen rotate in their receivers. Well, actually, speaking of this is not a part of the showdown slate at all. Uh, John Raleigh, John Ross would have been the perfect example of a guy who just surprisingly shows up and active. That happened yesterday. It wasn't showdown, but those are things to be aware of. I don't think we see that on this slate, but who knows? And we will be live, you know, on the live before lock show. You'll have myself and someone else. I'm not sure who. Uh, on the Live Before Lock show. So if we do get some breaking news, which would be surprising, but it does happen, we'll be there to break that down as well. Yeah, key thing, just make sure you're monitoring inactives before you submit those lineups tonight. As far as roster construction goes on today's slate, there's a couple interesting factors to think about. We have Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Captaining them or MVPing them on the various platforms is going to be very cost prohibitive tonight more than most other slates. This kind of brings me to the captain slot overall. What are you generally trying to do with, with the captain slot? Maybe you can break this down between the platforms, but tonight specifically with the really expensive quarterbacks, what are we looking at as far as strategy with that position goes? Yeah, I will wait until we get our ownership projections coming in. Those should be within the next few hours, but I'm, I'm guessing we're going to see quite a bit of the ownership shift towards the quarterbacks. And normally I'm generally staying away from that in terms of large field tournaments and cash is kind of a different story, but in terms of the large field tournaments, I'm generally staying away from that because you need a quarterback essentially for a quarterback to be the optimal captain play. You need them to throw multiple touchdowns, but they can't go basically if they go two to the same player that immediately locks that player in a captain barring like the, the Mike Evans two, two and two line or whatever. So assuming that that doesn't happen, if a quarterback throws multiple touchdowns and just two of them hit the same player, or even if they get one and like hit the hundred yard bonus, that player is almost certainly locked in. The only exception is rushing production, which to be fair, we should see some rushing production tonight. Obviously Lamar Jackson, I mean the, the NFL record setter in terms of rushing production in a single season I wouldn't rule out Patrick Mahomes' rushing ability too, especially in games where they have like close spreads in games where they're higher totals. That's generally where you see his rushing production pick up. We saw it in the playoffs last year with a handful of big games. I still think though, especially because of the prices, I'd much rather get like buy low or buy, buy on a cheap Cam Newton than I, he was the optimal quarterback because he wasn't like $19,000 to put in captain. So I think that price is really what is going to have me off. I don't think it's it's a terrible play to put them in captain. But you are trying to like fit, uh, you know, it's a, it's a small keyhole that one of these guys goes off but doesn't carry a receiver or a running back ahead of them in terms of the optimal captain play. And especially at those prices in, in cash, I get going for quarterback. I'd probably look to Lamar Jackson. His rushing floor is just unreal. It is the best in NFL history, essentially, for a quarterback. But in tournaments, I'm probably shying away from these guys and trying to get some big splash plays out of a guy like Marquise Brown, Tyreek Hill, even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I just think 
you're essentially your chance, your window is so small. If a quarterback makes it without bringing a receiver or running back, or in this case, tight ends as well, that I don't think I'll be playing much quarterback. How do you feel about that? Especially in tournaments and cash, I get it in tournaments. It's a, it's a tough, tough bill for me. Yeah. I think this does vary based on, you know, like what type of game we're expected to see. And on tonight's slate, I am fully with you. I will be stacking mostly pass catchers. I'll be playing a lot of Clyde Edwards Slayer and the captain, but it, it is yeah. my, my great pleasure, Kyle, to tell you literally as we speak, ownership just came out and we are projecting Lamar Jackson for 27 and a half percent ownership in the captain slot. My goodness, that is an immense number. And I will certainly be fading Lamar in the captain don't fade Lamar in the utility slot. That's probably a losing proposition. But in the captain, there's a strong consideration for that. I have a couple other roster construction questions, and they're very important to tonight's game, particularly on the Baltimore side. We have a number of running backs that this team likes to use. Just from an overall general strategy standpoint, what is your take on playing two running backs from the same game, particularly the same team in this case? Yeah, from the same game, it kind of depends on what style of running backs they are. If they're from the same game, but they can both catch passes like we saw last night, Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones, both of these guys could essentially function as their team's number one or, you know, one B receiver. In that case, they're kind of game script proof. And I don't think one benefits at the expense of the other. If you've got, say, Derek Henry versus Chris Carson or something like that, where these two guys essentially to go off need 30 carries, 120 yards, and they chew clock like crazy they probably do correlate fairly negatively. And those would be guys I'm not looking to stack in this game. I think you have pass catchers. Well, you have, you have Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who I think can catch passes on the other side. I actually don't think any of these guys really project to catch a ton of passes. Mark Ingram scored five times, but it was on like less than 30 receptions last year. That That is despite the fact that Lamar Jackson throws touchdowns at a crazy rate. If he's not scoring at like the league high rate for running backs on receptions, He's not going to be a good receiving back. And I, I think you can say the same about Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins. So I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, in some sense, is probably game script proof as like 50-some receiving snaps to Darrell Williams, 20, I think. So he really is a three-down back. On the other side, these are guys that I don't hate playing two running backs from the same team, especially when they're cheap. If you've got two expensive running backs, I'm probably less inclined to do so. But I think we saw even on last night, I'm not sure if it was the optimal, but I do know it won some tournaments where you had Alvin Kamara and captain, obviously. And Latavius Murray was just cheap enough that his like seven points were good enough to get you there. I don't mind playing like a Daryl Williams, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. On the other side, I do think they mostly profit at each other's expenses. Maybe Gus Edwards is cheap enough that you could look to him. I think on this slate specifically, it's less desirable than a slate like last night. Yeah, and this I, I think you should definitely think about your lineup as a whole. If a game plays out a certain way, maybe this is more viable than other situations. You know, if you're going with the approach that you think Baltimore wins this game handily and they cover the spread, I think you're more likely to think about putting a guy like Ingram and Goss Edwards in your lineup. However, if you think, you know, the Chiefs get out to an early lead here and Baltimore's playing from behind, playing Ingram and Dobbins, playing Ingram and, and Gus Edwards in the same lineup is probably a losing proposition. So definitely keep that in mind when you're building lineups. As far as, you know, staying unique on the context of this particular slate, I think using your entire salary in large field tournaments is a very bad idea considering the prices that we have on these studs. What, do, what, what is your take on that? And then we'll move into a little position by position breakdown. Yeah, if you're using like a, an optimizer, I would essentially limit yourself to a certain amount of the salary, whatever you're comfortable with. It just can't be 50,000. Like if you're getting 50,000 in your like of your salary use, you're going to be duping with not one or two people, so many people, especially in large field tournaments. I think as you get into these smaller, you know, two, five, 10,000 people tournaments, 
it's much less advantageous to shoot for a unique lineup because you generally are going to have unique lineups across the board anyways. I wouldn't go super chalk, but you don't have to essentially create a portfolio of lineups with the sole purpose of saying, well, if this hits, I need it to be alone or with as few people as possible. In the largest field tournaments, I'm leaving like thousands of dollars on the table potentially. As you get to smaller tournaments in cash, I think it's fine. You still generally want, like the more you spend, generally your projection is going to be better. But when you look at a, a tournament of 100,000, 300,000 people, getting to a marginally better lineup at the cost of duplicating with another 100 to 200 people, you just lose so much value. You basically say, I know, you know, I have a good lineup, but I'm immediately going to chop it with 100 other people. So even the best case scenario still isn't that good. Like, I don't know, chopping with 100 people for whatever $100,000 is not bad, but it cuts your value so much at the expense of basically making one pivot to solo take down that, you know, 100,000 first or whatever it happens to be. So I would be leaving a lot of salary on the table if I'm playing in the largest tournaments. As you move down and get into cash, I think spending most of the money is still the preferred method, although I, I'm rarely, if ever, spending the entirety. I don't think I'm ever spending 50000 Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And it, it largely depends on the size of your tournaments, for sure. Tonight is a spe specific, I think, consideration, given Lamar Jackson and Mahomes are so cost-prohibitive to the rest of your lineups. But let's... Let's move this over to a larger discussion position by position. We'll start with the QBs and we definitely need to spend some time here. It is going to be really hard to play Lamar Jackson and Mahomes in the same lineup, particularly if you captain one of them or play one of them, you know, FanDuel, we're talking MVP slot where you're not spending the premium, but they're still very cost prohibitive over there as well. So we have Mahomes from a statistical standpoint, maybe he's disappointed a little bit to start the year just shy of 65% completion percentage. It's 22nd in the NFL. He's averaging 6.5 yards per attempt. That's 27th coming into this week. He draws a really strong Ravens defense, only allowing 5.6 yards per attempt. Mahomes has certainly seen better matchups. And on the other side, we have Lamar Jackson. Like, I can't say enough good things about this guy. He gets it done with his legs. He's top three in most major passing statistics right now. He's first in yards per attempt. So highly efficient on the volume he's received. Is there a guy you prefer to play out of these two, considering that it's really hard to get them both and still field a competitive lineup? Yeah, so right now, yeah, it, it, their prices are insane. Right now, our captain projection, like you said, has over a quarter of the field going with Lamar Jackson and right around 15% going with Mahomes. These are subject to change, so of course, stay like, you know, every every few hours, if you're going to play a lot of showdown lineups, check back in and see if, if we've made tweaks to the projections. But based on that, I'll probably be pivoting to Mahomes. He's definitely not been like he's not been the mvp level patrick mahomes that's been josh allen of course he's not been uh he's not been the mvp level mahomes we've seen for two weeks but two weeks is a small sample and we have essentially two seasons of him being one of the best if not the best outright quarterback in the nfl i'm not really worried about mahomes the matchup is difficult but like i said like you know quarterbacks like uh, quarterbacks at the talent level of mahomes can only be contained by a defense for so long you know we saw it in the super bowl it was one great half from the 49ers defense but you can just only stop a quarterback like patrick mahomes for so long is that a quarter is that a half i'm not sure but i'm generally going to lean mahomes i'm not gonna have a ton of quarterback and captain and i think in flex maybe it changes a little bit where lamar jackson also makes sense as like you don't generally want to run solo quarterbacks you should generally be stacking your quarterbacks because as soon as jackson throws one touchdown Unless it's to, you know, Marquise Brown and Brown does nothing else on the game. Brown is going to be in the optimal lineup. But because of Jackson's like two touchdown upside on the ground, he's actually not the worst play as a solo flex play. And if you play someone cheap, cheapish, you know, if you play someone cheap like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Sammy Watkins, even at captain, 
that's probably how you would find a way to get both quarterbacks in your lineup. They just both essentially have to be flexes. So for captain, I'd be more inclined to go Mahomes simply because of the ownership and because I'm playing mostly in large field tournaments. I think they're guys that I'm just targeting to flex more. And when you look at flex, they're about even. Maybe I would again side with ownership and go with Mahomes. But Jackson as a, a essentially a running back and a quarterback does make some sense to flex as well. Mahomes, I'll get the edge in both, but it's slight. And neither are really intriguing to me at captain because of the price, but also because of the correlation where they're going to carry a Tyreek Hill or Mark Andrews to the optimal lineup as well. I agree with that. There are some interesting things on on the Ravens side. I'm far more likely to play Lamar Jackson in the flex despite the ownership. And again, if you're running multiple lineups, I think you should play both. I think you should be asking yourself how this game plays out, you know, if Lamar Jackson is in your lineup. And my main question with Lamar Jackson carrying the elevated ownership is how you remain contrarian around him. I, I think there's a couple ways to do this. Baltimore, we talked about it at the, at the top. They haven't exactly shown everything they're going to do this year. In particular, they've been a run-heavy team. We knew that coming in, but they've been a far slower team than 2019. They're running only 61 and a half plays per game. Last year, they were third in the NFL in plays per game at 68 per game. I think if they see a competitive game script here, which bookmakers, Vegas, everyone's projecting, I think we could see more play volume out of Lamar Jackson, perhaps more pass attempts too in a competitive game script, leading me, I think, more to his wide receiver. So I think, you know, potentially double stacking Lamar with some cheap guys could be an avenue to remain unique with him. What do you think with Lamar? Are you willing to run him naked and maybe a five, one strategy? Are you looking maybe to some pass catchers to remain unique with him? Yeah, I think the, the five, one would make sense specifically for Lamar. If you look at a guy like Drew Brees, there is essentially no way he doesn't carry one of his, his receivers in like a five, one stack where Drew Brees is the optimal one seems so unlikely. Whereas Lamar can just consume all of the touchdowns or throw one short touchdown to Mark Andrews, who's, you know, fairly expensive at 8K and he doesn't make the lineup. He's probably one of the only quarterbacks I would ever consider running 5-1 against. I think maybe you could flip the script, though, and we've seen a handful of times on the essentially three weeks now showdown slates, the two four strategies have been, they've hit relative to the amount of people that roster them at a fairly high rate. So I think it'd be interesting to potentially go either of, you know, Andrews or Brown at captain, stack them with Jackson, and just hope that, you know, Marquise Brown comes down with the two to three long balls that Jackson's going to throw this game and then run it with four Chiefs who are probably going to be more spread out. I like their I like their deeper weapons too. I like their Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinsons more than I like Gus Edwards or Devin Duvernay or even Willie Sneed. So I think they're a team that could spread out their touchdowns more and make sense as the the four side of a two four stack. Agreed. I, I think just playing Lamar Jackson, think about your lineup as a well. whole. Think about how you're going to get unique. Again, the ownership on Lamar is ridiculous. 85% just regular flex ownership. 27.5% in the captain. So he is going to be almost widely owned across platforms tonight. Let's move over to the running back position. We we touched on this a little bit. On one side, we have Clyde Edwards-Hiller. The job is largely his to his, an extent. I mean, Daryl Williams, he's going to play tonight. It looks like got in a full practice. He's mixed in a little bit, but Edwards-Hiller has largely won this job over. On the other side, we've seen a three-way timeshare between Ingram, Gus Edwards, and J.K. Dobbins. Potential spot for leverage, I think, just not sure how that backfield shakes out in a competitive game script. But what, what are we doing with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? He's disappointed a little bit on his volume. He's played on 74% of Kansas City's run plays, 35 rushing attempts for 175 yards in the score. But still, I think you've expected more out of him. He just hasn't gotten that, you know, Derrick Henry level workload yet. 
Are you willing to pay up for him in what could be a potential contrarian spot at the captain? Yeah, essentially because I'm not going to, like I'm trying to come in under the field on Jackson Mahomes at captain, I will be over the field on probably Clyde or Hilaire and a handful of the receivers in this game. I mean, we saw it in week one. Like if the Chiefs offense is cooking, Clyde or Hilaire is going to get like three different drives where he gets at least one shot at punching in a touchdown. He's one of the few running backs in the entire NFL that has like three to four touchdown upside on any given slate because of his market share numbers rushing and because obviously those numbers come with the caveat that they're on the Chiefs. Like that is such a bonus to be the Chiefs lead running back as opposed to essentially any other lead running back in the NFL. So his touchdowns also would essentially be solo touchdowns. He can catch passes, but he does have the upside of only carrying himself to the optimal captain play. Whereas Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, if they end up being the optimal play at captain, they do at least carry Mahomes there. And if Mahomes spreads it out, a Tyreek Hill good game could end up being a Mahomes great game. So Clyde Hilaire solo scoring touchdowns makes him a very interesting proposition at captain. I'll probably have over the field on him because outside of the quarterbacks, it's not going to take a ton to be over the field on essentially any captain, obviously outside of those quarterbacks. So I like Edwards Hilaire and I generally like playing running backs at captain for the solo touchdown potential on the other side. Yeah, this backup's kind of a mess. We have Mark Ingram coming in at a fairly reasonable ownership, although essentially no captain ownership. I still expect him to be the lead back. Those Gus Edwards carries are typically late in games when they're blowing out teams, which they have done through two games. But we've kind of seen them just rotate their backs entirely. Week one, J.K. Dobbins serves clearly as the goal line back, punches in two short touchdowns, and has kind of disappeared since then. I don't love any of these running backs, so I'm just going to take the ownership and the price discount and go with probably not. I think Gus Edwards is a fine punt play. More or less, though, just go with J.K. Dobbins over Mark Ingram because, honestly, we don't know which one of these guys is going to be the lead back. We don't know which one's going to catch passes. We don't know which one's scoring touchdowns, but the public has a fairly strong lean that's going to be Mark Ingram. So that's something I just want to leverage. Yeah, what you said makes a lot of sense. I just want to point out with Clyde Edwards-Solaire, if you're worried about negative game script, I don't think it affects him too much. He's a guy that catches a ton of passes and he's run a route on 53% of Patrick Mahomes dropbacks. So he should be functioning as a receiver if they get into negative game script. On the Ravens side, I, I do think the ownership on Ingram is warranted to this point. We saw J.K. Dobbins take a step back last week. He's only handled nine carries for 70 yards and a, a pair of scores now. Interestingly, I think Dobbins is the back they would probably lean to in negative game script. He's mm -hmm. actually bested Mark Ingram on routes so far this year. He is 47% of the of routes on the Ravens dropbacks, whereas Mark Ingram is, is 30%. So it's a pretty sizable gap, but... Again, in that circumstance, you're projecting the Ravens to play from behind. So again, think about these things as you're building your lineups. The real interesting guy is Gus Edwards. He's played on 39% of Baltimore's run plays. He's turned 14 attempts into 90 scoreless yards. Of course, he is an absolute zero in the receiving game. If you think the Chiefs get up early, don't play Gus Edwards. But he's cheap on both sides. How viable do you think he is as a salary-saving option at the running back position? Yeah, Gus Edwards, like you said, he's kind of a guy who essentially gives you nothing in the receiving game, and that's probably just because he comes up and plays mop-up duty. But, I mean, the Ravens are favored, and not only – like, mop-up duty doesn't have to be 33-7. to 7. It could very much just be they have a 10-point lead late in the fourth quarter, and that's when Gus Edwards comes in. He's a guy who's run, like, over five yards per carry. Like, I know yards per carry doesn't mean much, but he does have some juice, and it also is probably due to the fact that, like, he essentially just comes in when he's killing other teams. 
but he's got some juice. He's broken off some long runs before. I don't hate him. He's coming in with, you know, pretty low ownership. Could be another interesting leverage playoff of Ingram. You do have to consider the specific game script that happens, though. You have to think that the, the Ravens have probably a 10 or more point lead for Gus Edwards to really get, I don't know, 8 to 10 carries. So when you're building your lineups, if you have Gus Edwards in there, definitely don't build it on the premise that like the, the Chiefs route, route the Ravens, but then Gus Edwards still gets in because that seems almost impossible for Gus Edwards' skill set of just being this big bruiser who can hold on to the ball. I would think he makes sense in sort of a Ravens onslaught as the final piece, you know, breaks a long run towards the end of uh, end of the fourth quarter. Otherwise, I think it's fair to leave him out. And I think what you said about Dobbins is interesting. It seems to be very clear that if you think the Chiefs run like run rough shot over the Ravens, Dobbins would be the back you consider. And then if you think, uh, you know, if you think the, the other way happens, Gus Edwards makes sense as a as a leverage play off of, you know, the Ravens going up 13 in the fourth quarter or whatever. That kind of I don't know, that leaves Mark Ingram in a weird middle where he's just like a decent projection. I'm not in love with them, but I get why you would play him. And I still project him to lead the backfield and carries, although I'm just not in luck. Yeah, I, I agree. I I do like Gus Edwards, I think, a little more than you. He mixed in a little bit with the first team. I don't know. It's it's so tough to predict that situation. But before we move on to, to the wide receiver position, guys, it's a super important game tonight. I need to tell you about Osmo's Express Pass additions. We've, we've added some great tools to our NFL Express Pass. For only $3.95, you can purchase an NFL Weekly Express Pass, which now includes everything you need for NFL Showdown single-game contest formats. You can now get to Osmo's showdown, single game, player projections, ownership projections, top play tools when you purchase this pass. In what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. In addition to player rankings, lineup builder light, ownership rankings, and top stacks express tool. It's our best offering ever for an express pass. So head over to osmo.com backslash join today to purchase your 395 NFL express pass. Can't stress that enough, especially with tonight's game being arguably the best showdown game we've seen this year to date right now we have about 150 close approaching 200 of you in the chat thank you guys for being here if you could hit that thumbs up button we would greatly appreciate it best way to support us but let's talk some wide receivers kyle i think this is largely going to be the key to this slate and i think first and foremost we want to play the quarterbacks of course we know they're going to carry ownership how are we also going to play travis kelsey Tyreek Hill, like, how are we going to get to these guys? Do you consider them in captain? Are you looking to them more for flex? Is there maybe someone you, you have a preference to between Kelsey and Hill? Yeah. So in terms of how am I getting to them, it's because I'm capping them, which I mean, they're expensive, but it does save you some money relative to Jackson Mahomes. And I think there's a handful of good punt plays. There's not a ton, but there are some guys you could look to that we'll talk about later. But I think the thing is, if you captain a guy like, say, Marquise Brown, that does free up a decent amount of salary relative to playing, you know, Lamar Jackson, who's 1300 just in the flex alone. So 1.5 X that was a 19.5. So, yeah, it's a. Uh, for me, I'm definitely looking to the receivers and probably Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the core of my captain spots. 
In terms of which ones I go to, I don't have any strong takes. Like we've seen, you know, Tyreek Hill come in like top 10, top 20 target share, air yard share, actually really impressive air yard share. But on the other hand, Travis Kelsey operates as this team's number one receiver, except for on deep balls, essentially, which he's a tight end. He's not going to be running as much deep. I would say I would split the difference at uh, like, generally I'm looking towards either explosive playability or just large market share numbers. For me, that leans me to Travis Kelsey over Mark Andrews. Travis Kelsey has a bit higher market share numbers and Marquise Brown over Tyreek Hill, because on the other hand, you do have a slight favorite in the target share department in terms of Marquise Brown. I think people are going to underrate just how, like, I believe it's 17 pass attempts Lamar Jackson has thrown in the second half of games this year. That's like less than double digit pass attempts per game. If they play in a competitive game, we're going to see a number of deep shots to Marquise Brown. He's fairly cheap. He's only 8,400 in the flex. That's not very expensive for a captain. He'd probably be one of my preferred spots at captain. And essentially, as soon as you dip your toes out of Tyree Kill to Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you could probably lump in Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey there. You're getting so low ownership at your captain spot that I think it, it's pretty solid leverage play to go with a guy like Marquise Brown. I think you could probably even dip into Miles Boykin as well. What are your leans on the tight end split and the wide receiver split? Because both these teams kind of run the exact same setup a number one receiver at tight end and then a dominant high volume field stretcher on the outside in Tyree Kill and Marquise Brown. It's really interesting. When we look to, I think the different platforms, we're going to see some different ownership projections as well. You know, Kelsey's significantly more expensive than Tyree Kill and DraftKings and it's flipped on FanDuel where we have Tyree Kill is the more expensive receiver slightly over Kelsey. Same thing with Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. Marquise Brown slightly more expensive on DraftKings on FanDuel Mark Andrews is significantly more expensive than Marquise Brown. So we do see this flipping a little bit based on the platform. Based on early ownership right now between Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, I don't have a strong lean there. You're getting more leverage by playing Kelsey. But again, these two guys are both seeing such a large share of Kansas City's offense. I mean, right now, Tyreek Hill has 38.5% of Kansas City's air yards. He has a 22.4% target share. If you look to, to Kelsey, he is a 25.7% air yard share and 26.3% target share. The offense is largely flowing through these two. It's going to be hard to get both. I love your call on the Raven side, gaining leverage there, just projecting a slightly more competitive game for the Ravens. I mean, the eight pass attempts in the second half is absolutely bananas. And right now you're getting Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown at a lower ownership. If you just want to play, you know, the target share, air yard share game with them, Marquise Brown, 37.5% of the team's air yards. He only has 12 targets on the year, but that is 25% of the team's targets. We kind of saw this with the Patriots going from a blowout in week one to a competitive game in week two. When they actually increased their volume, we saw huge days from Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman. We could see a similar situation here with Brown and Mark Andrews. So right now my lean, I think similar to yours, is going over to Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews if I'm trying to captain one of the main receivers for these teams. But we're still running into the same problem. Even if you play like a Kelsey, a Hill, even to an extent, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews in your captain slot, you're still using a ton of salary. Right now, we have Sammy Watkins coming in as you know the third pass catcher for this Kansas City team. He's fairly cheap after he was kind of in the optimal lineup in that that opening night showdown slate. Are you looking maybe to to Sammy Watkins? I know you mentioned Miles Boykin is maybe an ancillary pass catcher you're looking at. Yeah, so I would say I, I think Sammy Watkins is a good, not great play. 
Uh, you know, we saw it. He was, I believe he led the team in targets in week one and he left at some point in week two. So it's hard to really gather much from that game. He left with the concussion. So I would say if you look back at week one, like you said, he was essentially the optimal lineup builder. I don't, I don't hate going to Sammy Watkins, but I love Miles Boyk. And I think like the, one, the dude is insanely athletic. He's like six, three runs a four, four, two, 220 pounds. Like he's a matchup nightmare for any quarter cornerback and they don't have like a premier shutdown quarterback cornerback in Kansas city. So I love him. And he's played only two fewer snaps on receiving downs than Marquise Brown. Like he is the number two receiver by all, like by all accounts, he's also got a decent amount of targets. He's gone over like 35 yards in both these games so far on three catches, I believe each time he's the number two receiver. And we haven't seen a ton of him because like you said, the Lamar Jackson Ravens have killed both their opponents. When they start attempting 35 passes, like they, they've attempted 25 and 24 passes. Imagine what happens if they hit 40. We're going to see so much of Miles Boykin, who's super cheap. I think he's even like a dart throw, like a really deep captain play, especially on a slate where there are so many good high end like guys I want to play. I want to play both quarterbacks. Like I talk about, you know, not necessarily, I'm probably fading them at captain. Doesn't mean I don't love Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. They're just expensive. When you play a guy like Miles Boykin and Captain, even Sammy Watkins and Captain, I do think it's going to give you a massively different build. Like no one is going to be doing that. And it lets you play all of the good plays essentially. So I don't mind playing those guys and Captain, especially if you look at the largest tournaments. I think that's a great way to build leverage. And I don't think these guys have like, they're not like 1% hit rates. They hit at a certain rate that is going to be much higher than their ownership suggests, I would think. For sure. You're talking about Miles Boykin and Sammy Watkins who play over 80% of the snaps. They, they're running routes on over 80% of Patrick Mahomes and Lamar, Lamar Jackson dropbacks over the course of a season and to this point through, through two weeks. But when you get players that are on the field running routes at that high of a rate, they are going to pop up for these big games at times. So I do agree that Sammy Watkins and Miles Boykin are viable in the captain slot. If you play them, you also don't, like say you're running multiple lineups. You don't have to play a ton of Boykin and Watkins in the mm -hmm. captain slot to get an edge on the field just because their ownership is coming in so low at that position. For Miles Boykin specifically, you look at the box score, nine targets, doesn't look great. Then you consider the overall volume of this pass game over the context of the entire season so far, 19% target share. I mean, he's priced below Willie Sneed, which is kind of egregious to me. Willie yeah. Sneed running around on 65% of dropbacks compared to 82% for Miles Boykin. Willie Sneed only has six targets compared to Miles Boykin's nine. Doesn't seem like a huge rate there, but when you extrapolate over the course of a season and maybe project some different game script here, I think Miles Boykin is pretty attractive. Any interest in Willie Sneed? He's, I, I guess you'd call him their de facto number three wide receiver. He's generally playing the slot or maybe like a Mecole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson for the Chiefs, kind of these ancillary pass catchers we know that'll be on the field about 50% of the time. Yeah, I would say Willie Sneed, like, I just really, I struggle to get excited about Willie Sneed when Miles Boykin is there, and he's clearly the number two receiver, and you said it, the price difference is just, it's egregious, what do you do in DraftKings? So I would say Willie Sneed, not as much, just because I'm going to be so over the field on Miles Boykin. I think Demarcus Robinson is probably, I would say in terms of ownership, is going to come in lower owned than Michael Hardman, because Hardman gets, like, this buzz as, like, this breakout number three receiver. But, like, Robinson essentially plays, the, like, a similar role, no one's going to be on him, I'd rather honestly just play Demarcus Robinson at like a, a similar low price point, but then get, I would imagine, an ownership discount because people like, like McCall Hardman's just the the shiny name, whereas Demarcus Robinson is this like veteran whatever. But he's like the 3B or number four receiver on a Patrick Mahomes team. He's only 3K. I think he makes a solid play in the flex. I don't love him because I think Miles Boykin is the best play in that price range, but uh, I think he's not a bad play either. And I think 
McCole Hardman's okay. I just don't absolutely love him. He's more expensive than Robinson. Just meh. I agree. I For DeMarcus Robinson, I mean, I think people are probably upset. There were some people I know that captained him in week one and those two touchdowns he dropped. Uh, Ooh, talk about bad beats. But I, I do think he's still the better play over Miko Hartman at this point. Miko Hartman's still a gadget guy. I mean, with Miko Hartman, he's a special teams player. Maybe you hope he runs in like a punt return or something, but that is definitely not, not viable for outside of the largest, largest field tournaments, in my opinion. He's also fairly expensive. Again, you mentioned it. People are just in love with the new shiny toy for Kansas City. Let's start diving into some really deep, deep ancillary pass catchers. Say you're playing, you know, you're playing your Millie style tournaments, over 200,000 entries, and you're trying to get unique by getting the random player that catches the Pat Mahomes, the Lamar Jackson touchdown. Who is it going to be on each team? So uh, on, the, on the Chiefs, man, I think as low as I'm willing to go would be like Demarcus Robinson, Darrell Williams. I mean, he's not playing a ton, but he is the backup. And you do get a certain amount of, of you know, handcuff value, essentially, where if something does happen to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire mid-game, or even if he just, like, makes it, a, like, I don't think uh, Andy Reid has this general, like, this general aura of being, like, vindictive and benching guys like Bruce Arians to Ronald Jones. But it's possible that, like, he does make some mistakes. He's a rookie. He could make some mistakes. And then we see a decent amount of Darrell Williams. At 2K, he's not a bad price. He's a backup running back for the Chiefs. It gives him some touchdown potential, but it mostly has been the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire show. So if I'm looking to punt, I think there are essentially two, one really good and one good enough punt play on the Ravens side. Nick Boyle, as number two tight end on a team that loves to run two tight end sets and now is without Hayden Hurst, projects as the best value of the slate. He's only 800, and he's run, I think, 31 receiving down snaps. Marquise Brown leads the team at 52, so he's not that far off. He's a guy who could certainly be used as a red zone wedging weapon, catch a touchdown or two, and he's gotten some volume. It's not incredible, but even in his even last year when they had Hayden Hurst, he was out there a decent amount, and he's so cheap. If he's going to be not a starting but a, a very used rotational piece for the Baltimore Ravens, he's a guy I want to get in my lineups. Devin Duvernay not playing a ton of snaps. They did take him in the third round, but he essentially runs as their fourth receiver at best. I don't hate him at 400, and maybe if Boyle's ownership does creep up there because there are no good punt plays, Devin Duvernay simply as, as a term of trying to get a unique lineup would be a better way to do that as opposed to Nick Boyle, but he's only been targeted once in each of the past two games. He's gone over like 10 yards on both those targets. He's not a great play, but if Boyle's ownership is going to be like, I think it's not going to be zero. Whereas you see a lot of these guys below a thousand do essentially come in unowned Nick Boyle right now we have is like, yeah, double digit ownership, Devin Duvernay. I don't even know where Duvernay is. I don't see. Bad yeah, single digit probably ownership. really low there. Single digit ownership for for Devin Duvernay. And I would think a lot of the Nick Boyle lineup kind of look the same. It's Nick Boyle in the flex, and then you jam in a lot of good players. If you're gonna have a similar build, why not pivot to Duvernay in the largest field tournaments? Anything that's reasonably sized, Nick Boyle is just a points per dollar far better play for almost the same price. Yeah, you bring up a lot of good points. While we're talking about these dart throws, guys, hit the thumbs up button in that chat. We we also have some free content at Osmo today. Osmo's top showdown in single game plays for DraftKings and FanDuel are free today, so you can certainly check those out. Again, biggest showdown game, arguably, of the entire year, and we get it tonight in week three, and it is my pleasure to talk about it right now with Kyle. Now, touching on some of these dart throws, you mentioned Duvernay. He's going to cost you nothing. He played six snaps in week two. Yeah, six snaps, and he also played 11 snaps in week one, so he's been on the field the fourth most snaps for wide receivers. But you mentioned it. This is a team that will run 12 personnel. 
They'll get Nick Boyle out there on the field. And Nick Boyle's actually quietly run a route on 48% of Lamar Jackson dropbacks. It's only led to four targets, but if you're just talking about pure route running ability, Nick Boyle's out there about 50% of the time compared to Duvernay, who is going to be around that 10-15 mark. My main question is, if Baltimore gets in negative game script, you know, say you are you're playing some Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, so you're stacking the Chiefs side, and Baltimore's down in this game script. Do the Ravens maybe abandon a little bit of this 12 personnel and start running more 11 personnel with three wide receivers on the field? I remember last year, we saw the wide receivers rotate snaps far more often. It makes me think your point about Devin Duvernay could lead to a potential decent leverage spot. I also think that not only could we see less 12 personnel, it wouldn't shock me if we saw less Willie Sneed, who's like not particularly explosive. One of the things he's known best for is his blocking ability. He gets downfield and blocks for these long Lamar Jackson marking and runs. Like that's not awfully useful if you know that you're going to be passing. So he could even steal a handful of snaps from a guy like Willie Sneed. And certainly, although Nick Boyle's Nick Boyle's, you know, route shares actually, like you said, it was 48% is, is quite impressive. But it would make sense that you would want to get more wide receivers on the field. And Tuvernay was incredible in college in his final season, I believe, at Texas, an like, incredible slot receiver. So I think we would see a handful of more snaps. I still think even in a negative game script, Nick Boyle would be the better play. But the gap definitely closes as we get on a on a lineup that essentially is built on the premise that the Chiefs, I don't want to say, you know, roll the Kansas or roll the Baltimore Ravens, but have a significant lead. That gap between Duvernay and Boyle closes, whereas in a neutral game script, I do like Nick Boyle a decent amount more. All right, so we, we do have some punt plays on the Ravens. What are we looking to on the Chiefs? Say you want to get down below a Demarcus Robinson, but you still want to access this, this Kansas City offense. Nick Kaiser's a guy who's near the men. He's played 30, he played 30 snaps in week two, but he spent 21 of them blocking. I'm not sure you can really go to him. He's technically their number two tight end. We've seen, I remember a famous, famous showdown slate where you the optimal had two Chiefs tight ends in it. Yep. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Kaiser's your guy that catches a random touchdown. He'll be out there for a decent snap share, but just know he spends a lot of that blocking. You could also look to Byron Pringle. He played six snaps last week as the wide receiver five for this team. He's also near the men. Any interest in those two? Yeah, I would say maybe you could go to Byron Pringle, but like you said, the snap count's low. I don't think he has a target yet. I see like Darwin Thompson pops up, but really he only pops up because last week Darrell Williams did exit with, I believe it was that ankle injury. Yeah, so maybe him, though. Yeah, no, he didn't look. He didn't look bad. And I, I don't know, Darren Thompson's guy, like, coming out of college. The punt plays aren't great. I would say Byron Pringle is probably the best because we also have seen Byron Pringle play well. It was, like, in the middle of last year when the Chiefs receivers were pretty banged up. So he's probably the guy, and especially because the Chiefs are projected to be losing this game, they're three-and-a-half-point dogs, maybe that does push them into some more three-and-four wide sets. Byron Pringle gets a few extra snaps. I don't love the punt plays on this side. They're far worse than either Devin, Devin DuVernay or Nick Boyle. I'll say Pringle, but I don't I don't feel great about any of these guys. I agree with you. It's really hard to roster anyone below the Demarcus Robinson point on the Chiefs. So this brings me to another question. We're not exactly excited about the punt plays here. With a game that has a near 55-point total, how are we handling defense and kicker? When we see games with high totals like this, you know, my first inclination is to largely fade them both. Of course, if you're playing multiple lineups, we're talking large field, 150 max style, maybe even 20 max style. You probably want some of these, but again, 55 points, unless the defense scores a touchdown, it, it looks like a lot of points are going to be scored against them. As far as the kickers go, when this many points are racked up, it's just far more likely that your touchdown scorers are coming in ahead of the kickers. And it's not like they're extremely cheap on this slate. 
How are you handling it in the context of this Baltimore-Kansas City massive total? Yeah, I'm not generally looking to defenses. I think you know, the one upside is that we will see more plays run, and anytime you get more plays, that's more shots at the slot machine for a touchdown. But, like, do you really want to play a defense against Lamar Jackson or against Patrick Mahomes? No, of course not, and the total tells you that. I will say, like, DraftKings did do a solid enough job making the Chiefs 2,600. Anytime you get, like, uh, you know, the Chiefs have racked up six sacks and interception back-to-back games, or six sacks total and interceptions in back-to-back games, held both of their opponents, I believe, to 20 points. 2,600 for, you know, a defense that is loaded with talent. They're a talented defense. I get it. They play the Ravens, but I don't know. 2,600 is not a bad price. The Ravens at 38 is much more egregious because I think both of these offenses are roughly equally offenses I'm scared to play defense against. But one of the defenses is only 2,600. I don't think they're a terrible play. And like we said, it does help you get up to a bunch of the studs. Maybe you could run a defense and, you know, a Byron Pringle, if that's what you're looking for, or a Devin DuVernay, Nick Boyle. And that really does help you jam in four good players after that. I'd probably be looking to the, the Ravens punt plays over the defenses, but Chiefs at 2,600, I actually think is worth considering despite obviously Jackson being incredible. Yeah, listen guys, crazy things happen in NFL yeah. games. And maybe it's not even on the, the defense. Maybe Meikle Hardman returns a punt for a touchdown. Like, like yeah. things happen. And I think if you're talking about range of outcomes with potentially Devin Duvernay scoring a touchdown or the defense scoring a touchdown, this is at least a conversation you want to have. So I, I do think there is some viability to the defenses. Again, the total doesn't indicate that they're exactly the strongest play. Same thing with the kickers. I, I think there's this consideration, all really high total. We can just jam the kickers in as cheap value with so many touchdowns. I think it's far less likely that they, they enter the optimal lineup in your tournaments, certainly not captaining a kicker under any circumstance. Just want to happen. I think it happened once last year is Matt Prater in a really ugly game. Like you have to be like, if you're, if you're putting Matt Prater in kicker, just go find an alternate, like an alternate line of, of what a 40 and a half point total and jam all of your money in on that. Cause that's what you're betting on. If you think a kicker or honestly, I don't think a defense has a really any real shot at being the optimal captain. Maybe the chiefs so cheap are, are you know, worth considering in the 300,000 entry tournament, but really for this game, this game would have to go so incredibly far off script, like three to four standard deviations off script for either a kicker or a defense to be the optimal captain. I don't hate them in the flex because they do free up some salary, but uh, you know the, the Ravens are generally fairly aggressive on fourth down when they're their opponent's territory. So eh, Justin Tucker, yeah, I don't love the I don't love the kickers honestly. If I'm playing any of them, I would just take the I would take the yolo shot on the Chiefs defense because they're the cheapest. Agreed. Just uh, avoid your kickers at captain. So a good rule of thumb. Now, before we, we we're going to do some bold calls before we had to head out of here, hit that thumbs up button guys. And if you have any questions on tonight's slate, Kyle and I will, will field those. So throw those into the chat so we can get to them. So bold calls and maybe let, let's do this one first. Do you have a favorite player you are captaining tonight? Yeah, I think in terms of relativity to the field, I'm going to have two guys well above everyone else. I will say I'm probably going to have way more Clyde and Hilaire. I'll probably be over the field on Marquise Brown, but I'm going to be well over the field on Miles Boykin. It is not going to take a lot, but I'm going to be over the field on Miles Boykin. So I'd say Boykin as a low-owned cheap play is really solid. Like he is undoubtedly the number two receiver for Lamar Jackson in a game that you know, projects to score a ton of points and the Ravens actually have to play competitive football. We haven't seen them play a competitive football game this season. 
a full a full share of Miles Boykin snaps in a fun game. I think he's a really intriguing option at captain, and no one's going to be doing that. And then in terms of the you know the more typical captain spots, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a guy who I'm going to be going all in on as well. I love the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire call. I'm also very interested in in Marquise Brown. One player you didn't mention that I am going to be significantly invested in in the captain spot is Sammy Watkins. And it's interesting he's coming in with such low ownership. We've literally already seen him do it once this year, and we've only played, you know, we're nearly three weeks through the season at this point, aside from this Monday night game. Maybe people are scared off because of the concussion last week, but Sammy Watkins is a full-time receiver in this offense, and he's playing nearly every single snap, nearly running around in every single Pat Mahomes dropback, and it's a Pat Mahomes dropback. These guys have big games, and we've already seen it one time out of Sammy Watkins. So he, he's certainly, I think, someone you should look to at 7,500 on DraftKings, specifically as a cheap captain you could look to. Maybe Demarcus Robinson, too, but I think once you get below that, you're starting to get into some, uh, I don't know, uncharted waters. Any bold calls for the game? So I, I, you have a bold call written down that I would just love to co-opt as my own, but I will Let's give you a it, different man. one. I love it. No, no, no. I have a different one. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire finds the touch, finds the end zone three times tonight and is the optimal captain by a wide margin. Three touchdowns for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That would be very bold. Clyde Edwards Lair only in the box once so far this year, but I love it. I had him a lot last week and uh, cost me some money. But anyway, I, I'm all in on Lamar Jackson tonight, but not in the captain slot. I think he throws for over 300 yards, getting Miles Boykin a 100-yard performance, Marquise Brown a 100-yard performance. Captaining one of them will be optimal over Lamar Jackson, but you want him in your flex. Before we head out of here, guys, I do want to tell you about our, our podcast network if you're watching the show on YouTube. And for whatever reason, you can't catch it live. They all are on your podcast networks of choice. So make sure you check those out. And of course, the Express Pass, just $3.95, has all of your single game showdown stuff you need. Free today. We do have some awesome content. The top showdown single plays for tonight's DraftKings and FanDuel slate. But that'll do it for us today. I am Matt Gajeski on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. He is Kyle Dvorak at Kyle Tweets here. Make sure you follow us and good luck tonight, guys. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.